0: If you will, turn with me to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. Everything that I say this morning, everything that I have said up to this point has been Biblical or historically accurate. Everything I will say, Lord willing, from this point on will be Biblically and historically accurate and credible, and the sources can be checked if you would like, but everything that I say from this point on will be refuted by NPR Radio and Planned Parenthood. They will deny everything that I am about to say. I really don't care. This is the Word of God. Genesis 1, 26 through 28. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, And let them, that refers to man and woman, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God created He Him, male and female created He them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth." You can read the description of how God did that creative work in the second chapter of the book of Genesis the sanctity of human life. Lord willing, this morning, I want us to focus on the gift of life given to us by our Creator God, and i referring to God as Jehovah God, the one and only God. I want us to think this morning from the Scriptures how we find our significance in the gift of life and how human life, created by God, is one of the foundational truths which leads us to trust in Christ and believe the gospel. And as we worship and rejoice over that truth this morning, we have in God's Word a record of who we are. God's Word records how we got here. God's Word is clear on why we are here. God's Word is very clear on where we are going when we die, and God's Word is crystal clear on how to be in the right place when we die. But we do so with a note of sadness at the number of people, many in our own families, who have been blinded by Satan and by the lost world. All of us should be aware this morning how easy it is for Satan to communicate lies in this culture in this time, how many avenues Satan has to uh, tell us things that are contrary to the Word of God. Everything I say to you today, you can go home and Google it and find an exact opposite that will be, be documented and portrayed to you as truth. And while I stand here and give you truth in black and white, you can go to the news outlets and the sources of this world, and they will refute that truth in living color and great with great technology, and they will document their findings, although they're not accurate. They will document their statistics, and they'll do all of that to prove that what I'm about to say to you is old-fashioned, it's out of date, uh, it's long since past consideration of the same mind or those who have any intelligence whatsoever. Be aware how easy it is to listen to Satan who speaks through unbelieving educators, who speaks through unbelieving parents, and sadly through unbelieving false prophets and preachers who claim to speak for the Lord. I speak this morning from the Word of God, the inerrant truth of God, the only source of absolute truth that there is here in Caldwell County is the precious Word of God. When I use the word sanctity of life, I use the word sanctity in reference to human life. I'm talking about the sacredness of human life, the holiness of human life. And it is sacred and it is holy because the God who created it is holy and the God who created it is sacred. Simply stated, life is sacred in the sense that it is set apart unto God as special to Him. We all know that we live in a world where life is no longer sacred. It's no longer sacred to, to people have no concept of God as Creator, but life is no longer sacred in many lives to even the individual themselves. It's no longer sacred to parents. You know that every abortion that has taken place for the simple pleasure of men and women, it's been the parents who have usually made those decisions again, I'm not talking about medical issues that may require something to be done. I'm talking about an individual or two or three individuals who just for the sake of convenience says, we no longer want this life, we shall do away with it. Unbelieving parents, unbelieving preachers and prophets, unbelieving educators, and unbelieving politicians. But we come this morning to the text here in the Word of God, believing that God's Word is real, that God's Word is accurate, and God's Word is right. Moses, the author of Genesis, in the text that I read this morning, is writing about day six of creation, which focuses on the creation of man. Though man was the last creature mentioned in the account, man did not evolve. According to verse 27, He was created. So God created man in His own image. If you choose to consider the theory of evolution above the Word of God, then I remind you that the theory of evolution is just that. It is a theory that has long since been disproven. But we're coming to verse 27, which is not a theory, it is an absolute fact of truth. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God created He Him. Male and female created He them. So here is the language. He created human life. Human life was created in the image of God, literally as, meaning in essence as the image of God that we'll look at in just a few moments. This image was imparted by God only to humans, chapter 2, verse number 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of, li- of life, and man became a living soul. That's not said about anything else in God's creation. I want to give you as quickly as I can this morning five reasons for the sanctity of life found here in our text. There are, there are many more found throughout the Word of God, but here in our text, First of all, life is sacred because God created it. It tells us that. Verse 26, and God said. Verse 27, and God created man. God is the Hebrew word here, Elohim. Elohim. Over in chapter 2, you'll see, it, you'll see Him call Himself the Lord God, or Jehovah Elohim. The sovereign Creator in Genesis 1 is also the covenant maker in Genesis 2, Jehovah. But here in our text this morning, in Genesis 1, Moses makes no attempt to defend the existence of God, and neither will I. If you question the existence of God, hear the prophet Isaiah. He says in Isaiah 43, 10, Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant, whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me, and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me," Isaiah 43:10. I want to say this morning that by the saving grace of God, I believe the Word of God. He is God alone, He is God's sovereign, there was none before Him, nor will there be any after Him. Also hear the words of the Hebrew writer in Hebrews 11:6, "But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that, it, that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek, that seek Him. When we come to the sanctity of life, we have to first of all understand life is sacred because of the God who created it. Our sovereign God, our holy God, our perfect God, omniscient, omnipresent God, all-knowing, all-seeing, all-powerful God, created us from the dust of the ground, and breathed into man the very breath of life." The very notion that the evolutionary process can account for the beginning of all things has never and never will be established as a fact. It hasn't been and never will be scientific. Not only has it never been established as a fact, It would never meet the qualifications of the very definition of science if you admitted what science is itself. Science, by definition, deals with what can be observed and what can be reproduced by experimentation. The origin of life can neither be observed nor can it be reproduced in any laboratory. By definition, then, science can never give us knowledge about where we came from or how we got here. We do not need science to do that because we have the precious Word of God. God tells us how we got here. Life is sacred because of the sacred God who created us. The same God in Genesis 1-1 who created the heavens and the earth created us. The same God. In Genesis 1 and verse number 1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And then in Genesis 1, 26, and God said, and let us make man in our image. And in verse 27, so God created man in His own image. The same God who created the heavens and the earth, the firmaments, the waters, the stars, the sun, and everything that exists today, that same God created you and created me. And that is why life is sacred. But one of the major differences in the creation of us, man, compared to the creation of everything else is the change of language that we find in verse 26 that is not in the first 25 verses. If you'll just skim down through chapter 1 of Genesis in your Bible, you find this language. You find God saying, look at verse 3 and God said, let there be light, and there was. And you see that in verse 6 let there be a firmament, and there was. Verse 9, let the waters under the heaven and all down through here. This is all about, let there be, let there be. That's the language of God. Let there be and there was. You read that over and over again in the creative account here in the book of Genesis. Let there be light, there's light. Let there be a firmament in the waters, and so it is, all the way down through. Let the earth spring forth vegetation or sprout vegetation, and there, there it is. God said, Let there be and it was. But when we come to verse number 26, Instead of let there be, the language changes. Look at your Bible. Let us make man in our own image after our likenesses. God uses a different kind of language. Same God, just a different kind of language. Now, it's not that God wasn't involved in the other creation or all of that, but there's a note of intimacy here. There's a note of relationship, a note of tenderness He's talking now in different language. He's speaking personally. Let us make man in our own image. So who is the us? And who is the our in our text? Some say it is God and a bunch of angels that helped Him create. Now I have no problems with angels observing the creation of man, but the Bible does not teach that angels participated in the creation of man. The us is not angels. In our current age of conspiracy theories, there's always been those. But in our current age, when those are more popular than truth, there are those who say, and I read this last week, that us could be space travelers or alien creatures who got together with God and created us. Scripture never says that. Scripture interprets Scripture. So let's see who this us and this "hour" is. Life can't be sacred unless we're created by a sacred and holy God. Let us, who is the us? Matthew 3, 16 and 17, we're at Jesus' baptism. And Jesus, when He was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were open unto Him, and He saw the Spirit of God that's the Holy Spirit descending upon him like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The us and the hour of verse number 26 of Genesis 1 are the us and the hour that appears at our Lord's baptism. It's God the Father, it's God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are the us. Hebrews 1, God who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son whom he hath appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the worlds. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. So the Hebrew writer tells us that Jesus was there at the creation so there again the us and the our is God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Listen to John 14, 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Who is the we there in John 14, 23? It's the Trinity. It's God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Life is sacred. We are sacred because we are created by God who worked in our creation and brought us about. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So Genesis 1-26 is the first clear and unmistakable evidence of the Trinity. Although I see it personally in Genesis 1:26, but verse Genesis 1:2, but verse 26 is clearly speaking of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. It suggests that when you were created, when you were brought into this into existence, it was done through communion of the Trinity. And it was done through the consultation of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's how we got here. By the way, that's how we got born again, too. That's how we got saved. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Perfect agreement and purpose in humanity. Perfect unity in the Godhead created us. Life is sacred because of the God who created us. The point here is, when God said, let us make man, He's using the language of a personal relationship, different from that of all other creation. It was in demand, Genesis 2-7 that I read earlier, it was in demand that God breathed the very breath of life, the very breath of life. Secondly, life is not only sacred because God created us, life is sacred because we are created in God's image. It wasn't just that... God specially created us, but He specifically created us in His image and in His likeness. What do we mean by that? Well, image is from a Hebrew word, and it's used figuratively here. For God does not have a human form. God is spirit. But in God's image means that we as humans share, though imperfectly and finitely. We're not infinite and we're not imperfect. We share in nature. We share in the communicable attributes of God, we share in life, we share in personality, truth, wisdom, love, holiness. We have the capacity to have fellowship with Him that none of, none of the other of the creation has. This word, image, was frequently used in the Old Testament to refer to little idols. If you remember, the second of the Ten Commandments forbid the nation of Israel from making any idols. And when the Jews entered the promised land, they were to destroy all of those images and likenesses. But here's the fascinating thing. The very God who forbid us to make any image or any likeness that we might worship, in some mysterious and glorious way, He made us in His image and after His likeness. Now let me quickly say, I'm not saying that you are a little God. I'm not preaching Kenneth Copeland and Word of Faith theology. I'm not saying you are a little God. No, the word likeness there is speaking of what we might call similarity, our, our inner being, our inner selves. We are given and created to have certain capacities that relate to Almighty God, the ability to think, the ability to reason, to feel emotions, to build relationships, to plan for the future, remember the past, to observe and understand how things work in this world. That is all a part of us being created in the image of God. He made us in His image and His likeness. He made us to have living relationships, particularly with Him. and This is what makes us different from all the rest of creation. We have, can have a relationship with Him. Now, of course, sin marred all of this, but thank God Christ restored it through His saving grace. We, life is sacred because of the God who created it. Life is sacred because we are created in His image and in His likeness. And there's much more that could be said about that, but look at verse 27. Thirdly, life is sacred because of its complementary creative nature. So God created man in His own image, and the image of God created He Him, and then He tells us how He made man. Male and female created He them. God created man, and He created a male. And then you know the story in Genesis 2 where God took from Adam's side and created the female. Creation, the sanctity of life, is based on two genders, male and female, which equally share the image and likeness of God. Now, jesus I don't know if you believe this or not. I don't know if you believe Genesis 1, 26, 27, and 28, but I want to tell you Jesus believed it because He quoted it in Matthew 19, 3 through 6. So if you believe what I've read to you this morning, Before you and I ever believed it, Jesus believed it and quoted it in His sermon on marriage and divorce in Matthew 19. God communicates the value of both genders. God communicates in that verse the value of sexuality itself. When you read verse 27, it declares that it matters to God. If you're a male, that matters to God. If you're a female, that matters to God. Therefore, life is sacred, it is set apart for God, and it is holy. If you're created a male, you have been created a male to be set apart for God. If you're a female, you've been created a female to be set apart for the glory of God. It's a good thing to be a male. It's a good thing to be a female. God created both. The Bible said in Genesis 1-31, "...and God saw everything that He had made, and behold, it was very good." Whatever God chose for you to be at the moment of your conception, or actually, as we read in Jeremiah, before you were ever conceived, before the foundation of the world, whether God chose for you to be male or female, the Bible said, it is good. You see, you nor I make the choice concerning our gender. And when someone wants to change their gender, they are looking in the face of God and they are refuting Genesis 1, and they are saying, I want to be something other than what I am. You did not create me good. And that is a lie. There is an attack on gender, as all of us know, in our culture. And I think it comes from the sanctity of human life not being appreciated. You Listen, you can't legalize the murder of innocent babies inside a place that's supposed to be the most protective place in the world, a mother's womb, you can't legalize that and do that millions and millions of times and it not have an effect on the psyche of how people think about their sexuality and about everything else in life. You can't do it. And that's what we're seeing today. Preacher, why aren't people thinking right? Why why does a young boy want to be a young girl? Why does a young girl want to be a young boy? It has warped our psyche. You cannot continually kill and kill and murder and murder without it having having an effect upon the society that permits that. And God help, even in our country, promotes that. You can't do it. There's military men in here today who will tell you on their best day when they saw combat, and when they saw life and death, and maybe even when they had to take death, they'll tell you that lives with you the rest of your life, and that goes with you. The nightmares, the thoughts, maybe a pop of lightning somewhere, and a veteran is in a store, and he tries to get underneath a counter somewhere because his mind goes back to a battlefield. Then you tell me that as a nation we can... We can murder all these millions of babies and it not have an effect on the psyche of our nation. It does. Life is sacred because God created it. Life is sacred because we were created in the image of God. He made us male and female. When someone born male wants to become female and someone born female wants to become male, whether by surgery or by mannerisms of life, It is an assault on the sanctity of life and the image of God and His likeness. All these false religions, human governments, and humanistic philosophies that elevate man and degrade God, all of them are spewing Satan's hatred of the sanctity of life and the fact that God made us male and female. If you're confused about that, go to the Register of Deeds, and ask the clerk of court, whichever one handles those now, and ask for your birth certificate. And it will have on there, whether you are a little boy baby or a little girl baby, it will have that on there. Now, I can't promise anything in this generation, but that's how it used to be. Life is sacred because God created it. Life is sacred because we were created in His image. Life is sacred because of its complementary creative nature. To call the preborn a fetus is denying personhood. To believe in reincarnation is denial of personhood and the sanctity of life. To believe in total annihilation after you die is to deny the sanctity of life. To desire to change your gender or sexuality is to deny the sacredness of life. All of this is sin, and thank God it can be repented of, And God can forgive. And frankly, I believe that was going on in Biblical times. I believe it was very prevalent in the church at Corinth, because sin is sin, it always has been. But life is sacred because of its complementary, creative nature. God made male and God made female. Fourthly, life is sacred because God created humans to be over all other earthly things. It says in verse 28, and God blessed them, that's talking about male and female, and God said unto them, male and female, you're to be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion, and tells of the fish, and the fowl, and every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Man is distinct from animal creation. Genesis 1.24 says, Let the earth bring forth a living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and beasts of the earth after his kind. And it was so. Notice animals were created after their kind, meaning dogs are dogs, cows are cows. They reproduce after their likeness and image. What does that say about a society like ours that without question has elevated animal creation to the same level as humanity? And in many cases, a higher level than humanity. I saw an advertisement recently, just, it was before Christmas, Uh, The advertisement was put out by Toyota, who was offering pet-friendly fabric in the Toyota Highlander and the RAV4. Now, the Japanese people are not ignorant. If they're offering that, there's a market for it. They're not going to lose money. Really? Did any of you, when you bought your car, ever have a baby throw-up protection on it? I, I never found any of that. On ours, thank God for the rainbow vacuum cleaner, I guess that's about all I remember. I stated earlier that man is created in the image of God. Humans do, in fact, we have many biological features that are similar to animals and some more than others. But that's only natural because we share the same environment. We BREATHE similar in certain cases. Our internal organs are similar to that of the animals in some cases. Even our skeletal structure is similar in some cases. Animals are conscious like we are, but they are not self-conscious. They are not morally aware or able to have a truly personal relationship. can't be done. Man is not another animal. Man is not a higher animal. Man is not an animal that evolved from an animal to a higher form of animal life. It's not one day that we grew legs and went and got our degree and started teaching somewhere. It's not that. It's not that. No, man is created in God's image and likeness differently. In 1975, Australian philosopher Peter Singer published a work called Animal Liberation. In it, he argued, that the interests of animals should be given the same consideration as the interests of humans. This principle that all animals are equal has since become a cornerstone of the animal rights movement and is now becoming acceptable thinking even among professing Christians. Such thinking is an assault on the sanctity of life. And personally, I think it's assault on animals because we're doing things in sin that animals have never dreamed about doing. According to verse 26, man, woman, and all humanity, as stated in the word, them, are to have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, cattle, earth, every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Man, created by God, is God's representative in ruling over creation. Why, are we, why, did, why do we have that privilege? Because God gave it to us. He gave it to us. He put us in that position. We're not to use our power to abuse it. We're not to use our power to destroy it. We should help and serve. We're not here to hurt or destroy anything that God created. God put us in that position. And therefore, life is sacred. Life is sacred. Fifth, number five, life is sacred because God created us to propagate, reproduce life. Verse 28, if you look back at all of God's creative acts, you'll find throughout the plant life and the animal kingdom life, that life reproduces itself. But with man and woman, with humanity, this takes on a special, sacred meaning. One tree can produce another tree, and I'm not going to go into all the details, but that seed can be carried from one place to the other, and reprodu- reproduction take place in some very unsavory ways. But when it comes to the reproducing of life, it's sacred. Life is sacred. When man and woman were created, they were created to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Remember, of all God created, only man is created in the image of God, and the very essence of that image is the ability to have relationship, a meaningful relationship, And in the case of reproduction, an essential and imminent relationship that glorifies the great name of God. Why all the adultery? Why all the fornication? Why all the premarital sex? Because Satan is assaulting the very reproductive gift of God. Life is sacred. If you go to Planned Parenthood, all one word, dot org, and I do not recommend you do that unless you need to to verify what I am telling you, because that may have an influence on you, but if you go to their website, the first thing you find on their home page is the words up in the left corner, need an abortion, question mark. Second words are, we're here to help. Now, think about their website name, Planned Parenthood. Think about that. And the first thing on their homepage is how to kill the baby and where to get help to kill it. Now, I'm not not the smartest cookie in the jar, but let's use a little common sense here for a moment. I'm needing help in parenting, and the first thing Planned Parenthood offers me is how to murder my baby. I Googled, I need help with my electric bill, and I got a hundred to some pages of how to direct me to apply for funds to help pay my electric bill. That makes sense, don't it? I also helped, or Googled, I need help with my taxes. And I got offers from H&R Block. I got offers to buy computer tax programs, and the names of dozens of CPAs popped up. That makes sense. But when you Google about parenthood, the first thing you get is... How to kill your baby. Planned Parenthood is rooted way back in 1939, a woman named Margaret Margaret Sanger. Planned Parenthood is rooted in her, and I'm not going to go in detail here because it involves races, but her project was to take one particular race and keep them from reproducing down South here in America. You can Google it. Do not read anything from NPR because they refute historical fact, but the historical fact is all over. It's available. Hear the Word of the Lord, Psalm 127. Not Margaret Sanger, not Planned Parenthood, not the Educators, not all of the people that have arrived. Let's hear the Word of the Lord. Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them, that shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate, Psalm 127, 3 through 5. Do you hear what the psalmist is saying here? When a man takes his responsibility and he has a home and he and his wife understand they are created in the image of God and their relationship is sacred and holy and they come together in the sexual relationship and children are the product of that relationship and the fruit of that relationship, that man is strong, those children are like arrows in the hands of a mighty man who's out to hunt, and that man is happy, and that man is full of joy, and he is not ashamed, and he's able to stand against any enemy that there is that comes up against his gate. Is there anything any more contradictory going on in society right here than that? And it's because life is no longer viewed as sacred marriage relationship is established as the first and most intimate of all relationships between humans. It is from the sanctity of marriage that children are conceived and are born. You say, Preacher, we didn't start out like that. Thank God there's forgiveness in Christ. There's forgiveness in Christ. Preacher, I'm trying to get my life together. My mom and dad, the whole thing's been a mess, and I'm just out here on my own. Come to the cross. Come to Christ. Believe the Word of God. There's hope. You say, everything was done wrong in my family. Through Christ, you can make it right for your generation. There's hope in Christ. We looked at five reasons why human life is sacred. Number one, because God created it. Number two, because man is created in the image of God. Number three, because of the complementary nature of creating God, God creating humans in male and females. Fourthly, because God created humans to rule and have dominion over all other creation. We are not a higher form of animal. And fifthly, because God created humans to reproduce other humans through the sanctity of marriage. How do we apply this truth? Well, there's many ways, but I I just want to say this before I close. We need to respect every human being you meet, because I don't care how depraved they are. I don't care how messed up they are. I don't care what part of their body is bored with a hole. I don't care what part of their, of, of their, of their appearance looks totally satanic. They were created in the image of God. And Christ died that sinners be redeemed. So honor this sacredness in every human being you meet. There are no insignificant people in the world. Unlike Margaret Sanger, who founded Planned Parenthood that was previously called another name that I can't even say in public today for fear of misrepresentation. Although she believed that if you limited the, the spread of a certain race, you could cure poverty, and let's do that by not letting them conceive. Although that So ludicrous was that. Every person in this world is significant. How do we show them their worth and significance? Thank God by sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. By telling them about a Savior who although, listen, all of this was in Genesis 1 and 2. You know the rest of the story. Along comes Adam in Genesis 3 and messes all this up. And that's why we're in the world the shape we're in today. But thank God Christ came. God's perfect one god's perfect son came to bring salvation preacher what else do i need to do pray for the end of abortion pray for the end of it pray for the end of euthanasia that's the killing off of older people which as our financial struggles become more in this country that's going to have to become an option no need to spend money on a 95 year old man who can't see and walk can you think they would think that? You say, I don't see anybody could think that. If you, if you can kill a baby in a womb, you can do anything. Pray for an end to same-sex unions. Pray for homosexuals and lesbians to come to Christ and be saved. Pray for Christians, even those sitting in our churches, to forsake the sin of fornication, adultery, and premarital sex. Pray that our young people avoid lust and fleshly living. And remember this, abortion and all other sins will not be a part of the new heavens and the new earth. And remember, there will be no Planned Parenthood in the city of God, neither will those who promoted it or supported it be there. Sin will be abolished one day soon. Until then, I close with the words of Paul to the young preacher Timothy in 1 Timothy 2. I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. That's how we should be praying. matters not who you are, where you are, what your record and past is. Thank God there's forgiveness In Christ. There's hope in Christ. Only in Him do we know and appreciate the sanctity of human life. What will most people do with this today? I've got a feeling most folks will go home and eat lunch and watch football and probably never think a second thought about it. That's probably what will happen. But something more than that must happen. Dads, moms, no one else is going to teach your children the sanctity of life except you. That's where it's got to start. That's where it's got to start. And then it should be reaffirmed here, and it should be reaffirmed everywhere else, but it's not going to go much further than here. From home to here, and that's about all you're going to get. So it's even that much more serious. I'm of the belief, as I interpret scripture, that over in heaven this morning is a remnant called God's little martyrs who was offered on the altar of sacrifice for the sake of the convenience of people who didn't want them around. And I have a God who's wise enough, sovereign enough, and loving enough to take care of all that, and thank God He has. Father, I want to thank You this morning for the very life that I enjoy. Lord, although I came in marred by sin, guilty of sin, inherited from my father Adam and his fall, You sent Your Son, Lord, You sent Your only begotten Son, to recreate to forgive, to make brand new what sin had messed up. I pray today you would help West Lenore Baptist Church and all of us here this morning who are listening to worship you and adore you for being our Creator, for creating us in your image and your likeness, for making us different from the animal world, for making us special, for breathing into our nostrils the very breath of life, Thank you for making us male and female. Thank you for every male you've created. Thank you for every female you've created. The sacredness of life is seen in how you made male and female. And then, Lord, in only a loving and mysterious and intimate way that you designed that has no sinfulness to it whatsoever, you made it possible for those two to come together in the beauty of that relationship and create other life in your image although all of us are messed up and all of us have sinned, thank God you sent your Son in human flesh to redeem us and to save us. I pray for those who may have went down this awful road of ending life for their child. Help them to know there's forgiveness in Christ. I pray for those today who are trying to find out whether they're male or female because no one has taught them truth. I pray for them today that Lord, we as a church and we as Christians would be able to communicate truth, and I pray today for those who may have failed in some area of life, whatever that area may be, may they find hope in Christ and look to You and remind us today, Lord, that You're our Creator, we're Your creation, You're our God, we're Your servants, and You've made us. Lord, I want to thank You for the hope of Heaven. I want to thank You for the day, as Paul told the Romans, when our God will... Put to pass shortly all the sin, and we'll be together in a land that's fairer than day, where sin will no more enter, and lies will no more be destroyed. Thank you today for being our Savior, our Creator, and our God, for it's in your precious name we pray and ask these things. Amen.